Welcome to the porch. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, by examining the Word of God and especially the example of the Book of Acts Church to see how the early church served the Lord. By delving deeper into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended and not the one that man created. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence that the early church had. The church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or you can write us directly at the porch, lowercase one word, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support us, there are ways to do so. Go to the Firefall Talk Radio homepage. We appreciate your support and encouragement. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. Remember, we can always be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, as well as Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, Podbean, and SoundCloud. Welcome. Welcome. If you remember last week, we had some technical problems and had to fire the sound engineer. But since we couldn't find anybody else willing to work for no salary, um, I will, I mean, he will still be doing the job. And we've already had some problems tonight. But we're going to press on and we're glad that you're here. We're here every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time live. And then you can listen to us archived at any of the various streaming sites and uh, download it, share it, do whatever you need to do to get the word out. The Firefall Network, active on YouTube. Another testimony, Porchlight Testimony Time with Joe Citrone was posted. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube site, and that way it'll let you know when a new uh, video has been uploaded. Thank you to all of our new Podbean listeners. We only signed up with you for you back in May of this year and already have received our first, uh, I guess, award, a badge, whatever you want to call it, for 1,000 downloads. So thank you. Thank you very much for doing that, for listening, for sharing. We're excited about it. And um, we're going to include you more in the coming year. Maybe do some live stuff from there. Maybe even do some live video streams from there. Um, We'll let you know. We start out with praise reports and prayer requests. Now, again, if you don't want to be a part of that, you can go directly to the next shofar. And then that will allow you to go right into the Bible study. But if you want to be a part of a community, reach out to us. Let us know if you have praise reports, prayer requests, and uh, people will be praying for you. People will be caring about you. So I always praise the Lord for my salvation. Otherwise, I'm not here. I'm someplace else um, living out a life that's going to take me into eternal darkness. But thankfully, he saved me. He redeemed me, gave me back the family I discarded. And then said, hey, come work for me in the family business. 
said the benefits are really good. Pay not be so may not be so great at times, but the benefits are great, and they are. And I love doing it. I, and part of that is I thank him for giving me back my wife and my family, my sons, which now means daughter-in-laws, which now means a grandson and all the furry kids we've had in this home that he has blessed us with from which I am broadcasting. I'm thankful. I am blessed. I praise him for his provision, his protection, his divine abiding favor for the dreams and the visions and speaking to me through his word and directly through the Holy Spirit. I praise him for being a new creation and allowing me to live during these prophetic times. If you don't believe that we are living out prophecy, you're not paying attention. And you definitely haven't been listening to the porch for very long. We've been talking about that for over 10 years. And on Reflections in the Dark, many of the things we talked about 10 years ago, you're seeing now. Which is why we need to pray. And always pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Psalm 122, verse 6. May they prosper who love you. And I do. I love Israel. I love Jerusalem. I love my Jewish brothers and sisters. I am thankful that we have been grafted into that vine. That The church has been grafted into that vine. Thankful for America. For living here. For being born here. Even though things right now aren't all that great. I'm thankful that we're here and not someplace else where they're worse. Praying that God would forgive us, that his grace would shine upon us, and that he would intervene on our behalf. I pray for all the people that are being victimized by their corrupt leadership. And we have some of that here in America. We're not going to go into that. We don't talk politics. That's not what I'm here for. But I will acknowledge that there are people that really don't care about Americans and they have an ultimate dark agenda. I pray that God would expose that. I pray the Lord would shine his light upon it, that every hidden thing would be revealed. I pray for the fatherless and the widows, the persecuted and the martyred, the poor in spirit, the bound, the oppressed, the innocents, and those that are victims of injustice. That's my heart's cry every day and every time we do the porch. Praying for our brothers and sisters out there, Jewish, the church, all the people that we are part of the family that are being persecuted, they're being martyred, they're having their homes and the places of worship destroyed. I praise the Lord that he led those hostages that were taken weeks ago, I think 12 weeks ago, to escape, kind of like a biblical, let out, walked right past the guards kind of thing. I pray for, the, against the slaughter of the innocents, and I pray, I pray for them. I'll, I won't go into it, maybe some night we'll just cover that. I'll give you forewarning in case you don't want to hear it, about the babies being chopped apart in the womb about the things that are happening that are clearly satanic. But I pray for that. I pray for the the humans and the animals. We've been such bad stewards of his creation. My heart grieves 
every day when I read the stories of animals being discarded, giving long lives, and then just being dumped. But heck, we do that to people too. And it's not right. I pray for the victims of sex trafficking, the children, the the young teenagers, the adults. Well, the media would tell you that it's not a scourge, it's not an epidemic, but it's been going on since the beginning of time, and we know that the talent fingers of the fallen are behind it. I'm praying against the growing religious persecution, which I've already mentioned, and the anti, the growing anti-Semitism, and the indications to me that the spirit of the Antichrist is on the rise. I hope that you're continuing to pray with me to push back against it, praying for divine protection, for inspiration, for the alarm clock, for the remnant to go off. And if you're not already awake, to be awakened. If you know somebody that you believe is a part of this remnant, then share the the port, share what we do here on Firefall Talk Radio. Share the word with them. Wake them up. Praying for the open doors and the financial blessings for all the projects and plans that we believe the Lord has given us for the porch, for Firefall, for SRT. Praying, my brother Larry and I pray every day. Praying big prayers because we have big goals and big visions given to us by the Lord. And we pray that you'll agree with us that the kingdom finances would flow for kingdom business and praying for our lost family members, calling them into the kingdom, out of the darkness and into the light. Continue to pray for all the people I mention each week here on the porch. The only person who sent anything in um, is Kate in Wisconsin, who has found her way back to us, and we appreciate her, and we appreciate that. She says, first I praise him for his mercy, his grace, and his patience with me. Yes, we all do that, that's for sure. I know I do. I thank God for my home, my cat, uh, and I jumped ahead there. She said, my home, my son, our cat. So grateful for the generous raise I just received. Now she's asking for prayer. And when I share things, I, I leave out the particulars, uh, the the exact stuff. I just give you what you need to know. She's going through a rough time right now, going through a divorce. Her young son just found out. She's asking for prayer for him as he processes the news of the divorce. He's innocent in all of it, and she's praying for it to be as non-traumatic as possible. Praying for her unsaved family members that they would come to know the Lord. Said, Pray that I make wise, godly decisions during this time of transition in my life. She said, I also want to pray for those who, for various reasons, get sad, lonely, and depressed during this time of year. So, Father, we come to you now as your children, in love. We boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy, saying, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy, we love you. We thank you. We need you. Oh, boy, do we need you. But most of all, we thank you for loving us so much and knowing that we could never pay the debts we owed, that you asked your only begotten son, Yeshua, to pay it for us.
We thank you for loving us. We thank you for making a way when there was no way. Adam's mistake wasn't final. And Lord, we thank you for being our Savior, being our teacher, being our master, being our friend. I know I love you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength, with everything that is within me. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to help me walk this out, to lift me up when I fall down, to hold me upright when I'm about to trip, and encouraging me, reminding me of the Word, telling me what I need to know, what I need to remember. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit being our comforter. Now we ask you to bless this time, bless the technology, protect us, don't let anything go wrong. Let this word go forth as you desire it to. And if you agree with me in everything I've just said, say amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Now, you know that when that shofar, the second shofar sounds, that means open up your Bibles, your apps, whatever you do to follow along to take notes and remember what we're talking about. Of course, you get to download these, and you get to use them and keep them and help you along. Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. That's where we're going to be basing everything on tonight. Verses 1 through 7, but we'll get to that. But I want to set up what's going on in the world when Isaiah writes this. According to the Holman Bible Handbook, Dark days were ahead for God's people, especially for the northern kingdom. The Assyrians would invade from the north and humble Israel. Isaiah looked beyond this time of punishment and saw a bright deliverance. Eventually the Lord would save his people from their oppressors, just as he did in the days of Gideon, through whom he annihilated the oppressive Midianites. That's in Judges Six through eight, the Lord would accomplish this future deliverance through the Messiah, who would rule on David's throne. The words, "For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given," links to this messianic prophecy with the prediction of Emmanuel's birth. So let's go to Isaiah nine. And we're going to start with verses six and seven, and this is. These are the verses that inspired what I want to share with you tonight. And it's a section of Scripture we're going to hear a lot. We've heard a lot over the weeks ahead. You're going to hear it over this week. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Justice. A lot of people are seeking justice. I see it in social media. I see it in the memes. I see it in the comments. Everybody's looking for justice in a fallen world. Well, if you're seeking justice, you're seeking him. That's who brings justice. This child that's talked about in Isaiah 9, we know is Messiah. In the Hebrew, Mashiach. Ha-Mashiach means the Messiah, the anointed one, which is in the Greek Christos, which where we get the word Christ. And as you well know from listening to me, I prefer, prefer Messiah. Vine's Complete Expository Dictionary of Old and New Testament Words says, After the promise given to David, Mashiach refers immediately to the Davidic dynasty, but ultimately it points to the Messiah. And I add, and to his war against Satan's kingdom. We see that in Psalm chapter 2. If you've ever read Psalm chapter 2, understand that it is talking about the Messiah's triumph and his kingdom over the fallen and the kingdom of darkness. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision, and he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill, Zion. This is talking about the stage just before the return of the Lord. The kings of the earth are the ones that are coming out of the pit. They're the ones that desire to rule and reign against the kingdom of God. And he holds them in derision. He laughs at their efforts. And when he speaks to them in his wrath, that's what he does when he steps down on the Mount of Olives and he begins to speak judgment. In Daniel 9, verse 25, Gabriel tells Daniel about the coming Messiah and the establishment of his kingdom, which we know he's referring to the coming, coming of Yeshua. We see this term again in the New Testament, John 1, verse 25. 41. It says he, and he's referring to Andrew, first found his own brother Simon. Now, Andrew had been a follower of John the Baptist. He has seen Yeshua baptized. John says, go follow him. So he goes to find his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah. Of course, they add to it, which is translated the Christ. No, it's not translated the Christ. It is Hamashiach. It is Messiah. You're calling him that because of the translation into the Greek away from the true. But what it, what, what, eh, that's my own pet peeve. 
most frequently in the New Testament, the word Christ is placed in there rather than Messiah. But the interesting thing about the phrases used, and that's what I want to talk about, because we are talking about justice. Wonderful counselor. In the Bible, they put a comma. They shouldn't of. They shouldn't have. They shouldn't have. Okay, now we got to fire whoever wrote this script. They shouldn't have because it's one phrase. Wonderful counselor conforms to God's wisdom, unlike the human counselors of that day. Isaiah 25, verse 1. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. You have done wonderful things. Your counsels are old, are faithfulness and true. Isaiah twenty-eight twenty-nine. This also comes from the Lord of hosts, who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. It's one name. He's the wonderful counselor. It means wonderful divine counselor. We keep seeking counsel from people from worldly things, from worldly systems. And we wonder, well, I don't, but many people wonder why it doesn't work. Because it goes against God's word. I've been dwelling on that this week. So much craziness in the world. So many things being changed because we're trusting in human counsel. We're trusting in human wisdom. And there is nothing in human wisdom that is worth trusting. Go with me to Isaiah 11, starting verse 1. This is about the reign of Jesse's offspring. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall, shall, strike, the, whew, he shall strike the... I I'm sorry. I get stirred up when I speak the word, when I study the word. And this, this... He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. I just referred to that before. I'm going to mention it again later. And with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked, all standing... In the valley of Armageddon, there's two battles, Armageddon and Jehoshaphat. And when he speaks, the evil shall be consumed by his voice. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. The breastplate of righteousness. He's the wonderful counselor. It's his ability to guide us and lead us, even politically, if we made decisions today based upon the Word, based upon the Spirit, based upon the Lord, we wouldn't be dealing with the nonsense we're dealing with now. 
He is the living word. He is infallible. He is the source of guidance and wisdom. He is the truth and the way. It says in John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Remember last week we talked about knowing him. We're still talking about that, but differently. We're tying it into a lot of the things going on right now, a lot of the songs being sung, and let's get real. As if I don't. But let's get real. People are singing songs this week, and they're not listening to the words. They're not understanding what they're singing about. On him will rest the government, the entitlement of rule, the kingdom of God. The government that was supposed to rule the earth. Hasatan, Satan, he stole it. He has man tending it for him. But the Lord will come and forcibly take it from them. Oof. I don't know about you, but I felt that. Mighty God is the affirmation of Messiah's divine nature. And it indicates that the Lord is a mighty warrior. He came as a baby and was sacrificed as a lamb. But when we see him again, he will be the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he won't be messing around. But this mighty God is the child that was born in the manger Not in December, by the way. Historically, that would be impossible. We won't go there. Done it before. Maybe I'll do it again. But he's omnipotent. You can also look at the word mighty, and it means hero. Is he your hero? He's mine. He rescued me. Saved me. Died for me. He's the infinite hero of his people, the divine warrior who triumphed over sin and death. No one else could have done that. Everlasting Father means he cares for his children as a father who continues to care forever. At least that's the way fathers are supposed to be. Everlasting means everywhere present. The divine attributes of both eternity and the omnipresence of God as he, Yeshua, the Lord, rules upon the throne of David and from within the hearts of the redeemed. Does he rule your heart? I would suspect that many of the problems you're having in your everyday walk has to do with the fact that he doesn't rule parts of your life. Everlasting Father describes a king and a father who provides for and protects his people forever. That's what makes him the great shepherd. We've had a lot of false shepherds. We've had a lot of weak shepherds. But we only have one great shepherd, which is why I am so honored to be a sheepdog of the great shepherd. Everlasting Father, 
Isaiah 40, verse 9 through 11. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those who are with young. You know, I don't really know why when I first got saved, maybe I, I've shared some of it. I was so desperate for relationship. I was so desperate for a father, for connecting to my heavenly father. That I always saw myself a lot like John. I would have been the guy that followed him everywhere. John John understood. He was everywhere he was, laid his head on his chest at the Last Supper. When everybody else ran, he went with them when they put him on trial. He was standing there at the cross while he was being crucified. I think part of the reason... John died a natural death. Was That was the reward for his loyalty, for his love. If you're singing these songs this week, that's what you're singing about. Matthew 11, starting verse 27. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and to the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Listen, listen, listen. Some of you right now, very particularly, need to hear verse 28, 29, and 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's love. And the everlasting Father, the title expresses his fatherly love for you, his children. Prince of Peace. Now that's that's the title we've been working towards. That means his reign, his kingly reign, is characterized by shalom, peace, by health, well-being, prosperity, happiness, and all hatred ceasing. And no matter what some of the neighbor and claimant preachers tell you, that can't happen until he comes back. The Prince of Peace is the leader who brings peace. He is peace. 
But right here, right now in this fallen world, his presence should bring shalom in your life. So I sign all my emails, my correspondences with shalom and blessing, and then I write my name, and I mean it. I could just say peace, but shalom means divine peace, supernatural peace. It means Yeshua. He's the only one that can bring that peace. The peace of Jerusalem I mentioned before can only come when the Prince of Peace returns. So every time we read that scripture, every time I pray that scripture, what I'm saying is, Maranatha, Lord, come, bring peace. Jerusalem will not see peace until you come back. He is our peace. Whatever's going on in your life right now, whatever mess is going on, whether you made it or not, he's the peace to fix it. His presence. If you're lacking peace, if you're agitated, if you're angry, if you're afraid, it's almost certainly because you've taken your eyes and your heart off of him. So if we took the four names mentioned in that section of Isaiah 9, if we took them and combined them the way they're supposed to be, it's two sets of names. A wonderful counselor is the mighty God, and the everlasting Father is a Prince of Peace. That's the climactic title we've been working towards the Prince of Peace. But he's going to have to be a warrior first, but then he's going to bring peace. Sometimes, and I said this to somebody today who was going through a tough time in their life, sometimes when we're going through the darkness, we have to go through the darkest part of the night, the deep darkness, to get to the other side where the light is. So press on, keep going. Don't stop, don't sit down, don't moan, groan, whine, or cry. Keep going, knowing that he's there with you, that his spirit is there to guide you. Don't let the enemy beat you down. Don't let the false accusation and all the things they whisper in your ear to weigh you down and beat you up. You're worthy. He loves you. Prince of Peace. Isaiah 2, verse 4, And he shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. That's only going to happen when he comes back. You know what else is going to happen? The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. A little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. The young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. 
The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What Adam did when he broke the system that God put in place, the Lord will restore. And if you've ever seen the videos of those people that have been blessed to develop relationships with with lions where they can lay with them and cuddle with them and pet them like pets and not be harmed, or the videos I've seen of people that have horses and cows and large animals and a child is out there walking them, guiding them. That's just a a minuscule foreshadowing of what our life will be like when he comes back. The predators won't be eating meat anymore. They won't need till they'll go back to their original state. We'll go back to our original state. And everything that happened in the garden will be undone. I know we have to eat, and I know God made it that way, but I'll be honest with you, as I've gotten older, I struggle with eating the things that are raised, bred, and killed for that. It's begun to bother me. Seems like the closer I get to the Lord and the closer we get to the end, the more it bothers me. The angel showed up to the shepherds on the hill, which could have only happened around September, October. It could never have happened in December. But the shepherds out with their sheep, what did that angel say? Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. He was making a declaration that the birth of the Messiah was establishing a time of glory, peace, and goodwill. Peace and goodwill from God to man. And the child that he was talking about, the true prince, the one who had the real right to rule and reign, the one who would usher in peace, starting out with his own death and the blood that he shed on the cross. So those four names combine all the aspects of Yeshua's deity and his humanity. Those four double names assert the dual nature of our Savior. He is God become man. Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, the Son of David, who will bring in the kingdom of His peace, not man's peace, not political peace, not negotiated peace. There's going to be no negotiation. Hasatan's going to get smacked down. All of his fallen angels are going to get smacked down. All the ones that have come out of the pit are going to get smacked down. And all the humans that have served them and have not yielded to the name of Yeshua are going to get smacked down. That's the negotiation. Here's your deal. Take it or leave it. From day one, the whole story's been there. I'm not sure we've paid attention. Matthew 1.1, it says the book of the genealogy of Yeshua. 
Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Luke one thirty two. he will be called great, and he will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He was of the bloodline of David. Promises made to David were given to him. In Isaiah 7.14, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel. Been hearing that name in my spirit all week long. Been hearing all the songs that go with that name, but I've been hearing the name Emmanuel. So if you're seeking peace, if you're looking at what's going on in this fallen world, if you're watching what's going on in the in politics or the, the legal system or all the things out there and you're seeking justice, what you're really seeking is him. You're seeking his return because there is no justice in this world. The game is rigged, folks. It's been rigged from day one. A system put in place. By Satan. I know I'm stepping on some toes here. People think that God designed our system. In God we trust, and then we put the all-seeing eye of horse on top of a pyramid. He's allowed us to have our way. And when we said it was him and we put his name on it, it really wasn't him. Because if it was him, it would have been fair. It would have been holy. It would have been righteous. When we seek justice, and I do every day, and I cry out for it. I cry out for the poor and the fatherless and the widows. I cry out for those that have been persecuted, that are suffering from injustice. I cry out for the ones being murdered in the room and womb and being murdered outside and all of the brokenness. I cry out for justice. What I'm crying for is that word Maranatha, Lord, come. Let me show you where it all winds up. Revelation 19. See, when you're singing this week, whatever it is you celebrate, this is what it's the setup for. After all these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation. In glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true righteous, for true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again they said, Alleluia. Her smoke rises up forever and ever, and the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sat on the throne, saying, Amen! Hallelujah! Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it was, the voice of a great multitude and the sound of many waters as the sound of mighty thundering saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. 
for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saint. saints. And then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who are the testimony of Yeshua. Worship God, for the testimony of Yeshua is the spirit of prophecy. We don't worship angels. They don't want our worship, and they will get offended if you do it. Picking up on verse 11 after my additional commentary. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written on him that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with the dro- uh, with a robe dripped. Whoo! He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes the sharp sword, and with it he shall strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army, which is about the stupidest thing you could possibly think of. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive, into the lake of fire, burning with a brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword, which proceeds from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. See, this is really what this is all about. This isn't about presents, or, or trees, or lights. This isn't about any of that. He was born to die, and that death happened so that he could come back as king. So now let me read you that scripture again. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice 
from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The increase means it will never end. It will go on. And that government and the peace is a peaceful reign. The risen Savior, Yeshua, the Prince of Peace, taking us from the present age into the millennial reign. The kingdom, the throne of David, upon which he sits forever, whom we will serve with him. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. We've seen that zeal. It isn't pretty. It isn't peaceful. It isn't quiet. We've seen the zeal that they're talking about. He showed us in everything he ever did on earth, every aspect of him. Matthew 21, starting verse 13, when the Jewish Passover was near, Yeshua went to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their table. And if you don't know what those people were doing, people had to bring a sacrifice in accordance with their stature and what they could afford. And they would bring with them what they thought was their sacrifice, but it would be rejected, and they would have to buy it from the money changers in the courts for prices that they couldn't afford, but they would have to pay to get the sacrifice done. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple of courts, from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He violently flipped them over. To those selling doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a marketplace? And then his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me, which is Psalm 69, verse 9. They saw firsthand the zeal that we will see at the end. When he comes back, there's nothing peaceful about it. He's fired up, literally, to deal with everything that Satan and the fallen and their demons have done to this earth, have done to his children, have disrupted nature, have destroyed his plans. He's coming back to fix it and make it right. His zeal is his passion. Do Do you get fired up about him, about this? Do you have passion for him? He's got it for you. His reign, the one we're crying out for, at least I am, will bring freedom. Freedom from the enemy's control. Freedom from the dominating terrorism of the kingdom of darkness. And bring us into a universal rulership of the house of David during the millennial reign. Remember, David's going to sit on the throne in Jerusalem. And the 24 elders, which include the 12 disciples, and then all of us are going to rule and reign with him. So that fourfold name and the attributes of the Messiah, of the child, was all about being born to reign forever. 
And the New Testament makes this really clear. This will only happen in the final fulfillment that await the Lord's return. His triumph over Satan and the kingdom of darkness and the institution of the kingdom of God on earth. Everything that he did in the spirit on Calvary will be completed in the natural. Which then brings me to a statement made by Solomon in Ecclesiastes. Chapter 3, starting verse 14. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it, nothing taken from it. God does it that man should fear before him. That which has already been and what is to be has already been, and God requires an account of what is past. Moreover, I saw unto the sun in the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of righteousness, righteousness, I'm sorry, it's hard to cry and talk at the same time. In the place of righteousness, iniquity was there. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time there for every purpose and every good work. Stop fighting windmills, seeking justice in this world. If you don't know what I mean by that, look up Don Quixote. He fought windmills. Some of you waste a lot of time fighting windmills, seeking justice where there can be none. You're seeking him. You want justice in your life? Seek him. You want equity in your life? Seek him. You want fairness in your life? Seek him because you're not going to find it here. You're not going to find it in a fallen world system. You're not going to find it amongst flawed, at times corrupt people. Seeking justice. Seeking him. Father, Lord, please, please hear our cries. We desire you. And I know that there's so much to do before you come back. We want to see you. We want to see you face to face, whether here or whether with you. We want to see you face to face. We want these moments that Scripture has, has told us about, that Isaiah has so pro- profoundly prophesied. But there's so much to do before then. So many healings, so many deliverances. So many hugs. So much love that needs to be shared. I pray for your children right now, Dad. I pray for them. I pray that they're experiencing a love that they've never felt before, a warmth in their heart and their soul and their spirit that they've never experienced. That you're bathing them in it. That they can feel your arms around them. Hear your voice inside of them. You said, my sheep hear my voice, and none other will they follow. 
Many of them have sat in places that have never taught them how to hear your voice. Let it be so now. Let it start with that you love them. Lord, we cry out for you. We cry out for mercy. We cry out for all the things that we're saying here today. And many will say during the week, I pray that you'll open their eyes, that you'll open their hearts, their minds, that you'll begin to give them revelation that in the midst of what they're singing and what they're doing, there's a deeper hidden meaning. And that within that, the remnant will wake up, some that have been asleep, some that don't even know. Their eyes will be opened. Because there's a job to do. I love you, Lord. And I I love your children. And I just pray right now, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, Prince of Peace, that they would know you completely, totally, and intimately. And I pray all these things in your name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.